Today's episode of The Thriller Zone with David Temple is sponsored by The Story Factory and the visionary genre-bending debut novel Grand Theft AI by James Cox. The Matrix meets Blade Runner. Grand Theft AI is available now for pre-order from your favorite bookseller. Hello and welcome to The Thriller Zone. I'm your host, David Temple, and this week, kicking off a brand new week with something very special. We often, as you very well know if you listen to the show, we often, as in every show, talk to the best thriller writers in the world today. One of the key elements to being a great thriller writer is to have a, if I can use the expression, a kick-ass agent watching your back. Pretty essential, right? So today I thought, let's step outside the standard parameter and talk to someone who is a specialist. So today from Talk at Notch Agency, as you'll find out, founded in 2002, Talk at Notch is a five member full service literary agency representing, as they say, the very freshest voices in both adult and juvenile fiction and nonfiction. And let's get right to our conversation right now with Gina on the Thriller Zone. I am not recording from my workplace today. I work from home on Mondays, so this is my living room. Anyway, nice. You you sound fine on my end. Your your the sound is synced with your lips, so <laughs> I guess it's so. What you're <laughs> in is <laughs> yeah. all righty then. I'm a Weisenheimer. Anyway, ah, yes, you are. You are indeed. So, thanks for sending the questions in advance. I really appreciate that. So yeah. we may they're all pretty reasonable. Yeah, we may stick to them. We may not. We may go off book, you know. That's off fine. Page. Yeah. That's fine. I think you're a professional. You can handle it. Yeah, we're fine. Yeah, I've been doing this for a long time. We've had some questions come out of left field. We're fine. Anyway, so what do you want to know? Let's talk. Let's well, um, well, you introduce me or what? Do you, how do we work this? Look at you just taking the reins, baby. I'm, I'm, I'm driving this car. Hold on now. Okay, David. Welcome okay. to the Thriller Zone. Thank you. It's good to be here. It's so nice to have you. I have followed you from afar, stalked you, some people call it, but I don't call it that. <laughs> that sounds so unfriendly. Um, okay. And you're by, you're my very first agent on the show. I'm honored. Thank you. Yeah. I, I, I need that. to bring in the entire audience of one to have an, a, a golf clap for me, but... <laughs> No, you know, I've been wanting to uh, branch out a little bit um, on the show and just mm -hmm. offer my listeners and viewers a little bit something different. And I thought, okay. well, if we're talking about books all the time, great thrillers predominantly, whether it's psychological, political, military, sci-fi, romance, I don't care what kind of thriller mm -hmm. it is. If it thrills, we're talking about it. And I thought, well, how about one of the top agents in the entire universe? Well, thank you. I'm honored. Again, I'm honored. <laughs> so what would your listeners like to know? What what burning questions do they have? Well, I have no idea what my burning question, what they would want to know. It's all about what I want to know, which we're going to get to in a second. But <laughs> I want to know, I want to know about you. What makes you tick? Okay. What's where uh, I know you're in Milford, Connecticut. Yes. Mm -hmm. So I want to start there. What what is it like there this time of year? Right now, it's been unseasonably hot, but we're we're coastal connecticut we're within like you know you could throw rocks in the, in the uh, sound you know it's it's really kind of moderate we we have like it's not it's new england but it's 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 very moderate we have early springs we have late falls it, you know it's it's all it's all very uh, it's all very temperate here so no it's it's really pleasant i like being here i moved here because my husband was at the time a principal in a law firm that was situated here so it's like all right, we're good to go. He, I can be tr transported anywhere, and he couldn't, so that worked out. 
And you've been an agent for how long? Oh my gosh. Um, well, I started this agency in, we incorporated in 2003, um, but I actually was doing this for a while before then. So um, probably since like 2001 was when I really, when I actually started working, we didn't incorporate for a couple of years. Um, so this is, you know, it's 20 years, give or take for this. I was going to say, anytime you go past a decade and you're now hitting two of them, that mm -hmm. that is no no mean feat. It's honestly in this in this industry, if you want to get your feet wet, you know, it's fine. It takes 10 years, though, to mature as an agent, because by the time you find writers and get their first book out and get that second, you know, it's 10 years before you've really built a name, built a clientele. Um, it's, this is a slow grow kind of, kind of industry and you have to have patience. You can't jump in thinking I'm going to be, you know, top of the heap and a billionaire in <laughs> six yeah. months. Yeah. No, you have to be super patient and, and, and work at it for a really long time. So 20 years, I kind of feel like we've matured, but I don't really feel like that's, that's exceptional. Um, so it's, it's that kind of, it's that kind of game. And Gina, let's be honest, even yeah. the very best agents, are they billionaires with a no. B? No, 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 no. You got to remember, we, you know, we earn our income in a uh, commission off of our clients' earnings. Sure. And I'd have to say in the 20 something years that I've been doing, you know, Talcott Nosh, it's been harder for authors to make a living. It's been, you know, it's been, it's been a little bit harder. It's not as, as easy to uh, assume that you're going to make a living as a writer. Um, you know, just the worst thing somebody could do is be like, yeah, I have an agent. I quit my day job, you know, like and, <laughs> put in the notice because it is, it isn't necessarily easy or guaranteed. So yeah, I mean, we're, we're out there. We're slugging it with you, boy, because <laughs> we're like, we're like accident attorneys. Like we only make money when you do. <laughs> we only make money when you do. When yeah. you're injured. Yes. Yeah. Well, let's so hope, sorry. let's hope no one gets injured in the making of this, but um, okay. I just find it so interesting because of, of all the elements, uh, and I'm speaking as a writer who is not represented by a superstar mm -hmm. agent as yourself, um, you know, our dream is to always find an agent if we're, unless we're just completely happy with self-publishing, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, all those logical questions come up to mind, uh, which we're going to get to in a second. But mm -hmm. I kind of like to know, uh, because I'm not, uh, I haven't been in your world, I'm like, tell me what, what an average day is like for you, if, if that's comfortable for you. That's fine. I think my average day is probably pretty average for Asians. I get up about, like I start about five o'clock, a little before 5 a.m. I get up because we're working with people and companies from, from all over the world. So while I've been asleep, craps happen. And, sure. <laughs> and there's always a fire in my inbox when I get up. So I like to at least find out what disaster I'm going to have to deal with today before the bell rings and things really get going. So you get up early, you check your email, you see what's going on. You try to get a, a grip on that. Um, you know, most days I spend part of the day making sure people are getting paid, making sure that the checks are going out, um, the royalty statements are getting read. Um, we do a lot of, uh, at my point in the career, you know, with more than two decades in, a lot of my day is agent uh, author relationship. We, we, you know, what's going wrong that you need help with? Okay, you hate your cover, we're on it. Your books didn't get delivered for your book signing, we're on it, you know. So um, I, I kind of... <laughs> <laughs> like an author concierge sometimes, but that's a big part of our job because if you have a full stable of authors, 
there, there's always something happening that they're going to need, you know, they're going to need some help. They don't like their revision letter um, and, and for good reason, or, or their, their editor up and quit. And now they're with an editor who hates their work or, you know, there's always something that happens. And you'd be surprised, like very little of an agent's day is spent reading queries or manuscripts. We just, they're, you're, your nine to five is taken up with taking care of business. And then only in the evenings, weekends, holidays, you really have time for reading and editing more work. I mean, we, we spend a lot of time with our authors on their platform, on promotion, marketing efforts. I, we're not normal that way. I don't think a lot of agencies get that heavily involved with it, but we, we really like it. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's that's our day and and it's it just keeps going. And then the phone is still ringing at seven, eight, nine o'clock at night because we're dealing wow. with the West Coast. So it wow. just, the days, are, the days are long and there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of boundary yeah. <laughs> boundaries in our in our law. I think that's pretty normal though, um, because there's there's stuff happening all day long. Well, that's that might be a a good place to put the question. What's one of the very best things about your job? Like, I want to. I always want to know the worst thing. What What do you you probably <laughs> hate the most is maybe that being tethered to a phone. I'm going to assume. Would that be pretty safe to say? Um, I. Not necessarily. Or least favorite. I mean, you know, we carry the phone everywhere, and you're, you know, you're online at Space Mountain and Disney, and you're. <laughs> you know, it, it's it's a constant thing, um, and you kind of have to be accessible to your client. The worst thing that can happen is there's a crisis, and you're not accessible. You have, you know, you because we're we're there all the time. Um, something is happening. They need to feel the your authors need to feel that they that you're you got their back. Sure. And it can't be like, I'll get back to you on Monday, you know, because the crap's happening this weekend while they're at a conference and everything's gone crazy. Um, the worst part of the job, I think, is when you have a super talented author and their book is ahead of the curve and the market's not quite ready for their their book yet. And I've oh. had that happen. And then, you know, a couple of years later, things have kind of accelerated and, they, and that book can sell or you've got a super talented author, but their series didn't get the proper support at a publishing house. And so they end up terminating it and you know that the fans love it and the author loves writing it, but it wasn't handled correctly. And that, that breaks your heart. Cause you're like, you really deserve a second chance with this. So that, that kind of thing is probably the hardest part of the job is, is dealing with those. You know, and I'm privy to a good many conversations uh, with the amount of people that I have on the show. And sometimes mm -hmm. I'm asked to save those conversations after the conversation uh, our show has ended but it is interesting to learn some of the inside scoop from people who are on the inside and uh, that is one thing i have heard man it i don't understand this was such a great book and it came out of the gate at a hot rocket and then all of a sudden it dwindled and is it is it the publisher is it the agent not doing their job is the book just kind of comes on hot and then just kind of fizzles. There's so many elements that we just lack control with, don't we? Yeah, well, things things during the last couple of years were definitely not ideal. Um, we had books come out that were sold out of the print copies the day that they released. They were, um, and that was a miscalculation on the part of the publisher for the popularity of the book. And then we're, it's kind of a double whammy because things were way delayed at printing house you know the, the printers where normally you might be able to get a reprint out in six weeks it's still six weeks is a long time to have no copies um and now it was running three months four months during the pandemic 
uh, things were so backlogged. So this could really derail a book that started out with a huge head of steam. You have a book came out, wham, and then we're out of, you know, we're out of stock. Um, and that can just grind everything to a halt. A lot of people aren't willing to wait three or four months. You know, they, if they want to place a book and it's place an order and it's like, yeah, well, maybe Christmas. I don't know. Oh, yeah. um, so that can be frustrating. Sometimes uh, we've had distribution issues. We've had we've had books just not show up where they were supposed to be. You know, there, there's all kinds of things that can go wrong. Um, where a book starts out well and then just doesn't gain a head of steam or the publisher is just, I have not been a fan of e-only um, imprints that were kind of like the publisher started as, as sort of their, their take on, I think they thought they were competing with Amazon. I'm not really sure, uh, <laughs> but those, they didn't quite know how to work in that space, you know? Um, so you might have a big name, like, you know, it's Simon Schuster, it's Penguin Random House. Sure. Um, but they didn't know how to run e-only or e-first kind of kind of imprints. They didn't know how to support those authors and how to, how, how to reach the readers, you know? So those, they were a good concept. They weren't executed correctly. And that was often problematic. And you've probably seen in, in over the years, past few years you've seen one of those after another go down you know they, they're just they're abandoned and they were oh, yeah. and it's not that they weren't good ideas and they weren't they weren't it wasn't that they weren't publishing great authors they were but it wasn't they didn't know what they were doing in that space so that was unfortunate you said something earlier that caught my attention and if you're comfortable mentioning someone like this or that particular person i find that very interesting you said if someone comes out with a book that's ahead of the curve so i'm yeah. curious what is ahead of the curve and 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 is it that the market just needs to catch up that the idea is so far ahead of its time or is there a trend that you're following and you want to be in i mean how does that work well that can be, you, you can look at that a couple of different ways. Um, we were, I was, I've been my entire career, I've been dealing with books by underrepresented populations. Um, and it was, we, we've had, we've this, we haven't had until very recently, really full-fledged support um, in the publishing industry for getting those voices out. So I could bring out a book that was, you know, bring, show it around. This is the most amazing, you know, book ever. But they're like, I don't really think this is right for our reader. You know, they give me some lame excuse why they didn't want to buy it. And that was frustrating. So these books were ahead of the curve. Now, if you take the same book out, publishers, they're, they're making the effort. They understand what they're doing. Sometimes it's the concept. Um, you have, sometimes there are concepts where it's just a little bit, I don't know um, how to explain it exactly. They don't feel their readers are ready for it. Publishers and editors have have this uh, ideal. They want fresh but familiar, you know. So, <laughs> yeah, we it's a new, we need a new concept, but it has to be anchored enough in what's worked, what's popular, what oh. what what we know our readers will resonate with. So, if you bring them something that's too far on the fresh end and not far enough on the familiar end, they're going to be like, we don't we don't know what to do. We don't really know that our readers are going to respond to this. So sometimes you can find with those books, you can find a smaller publisher who's like, I love it. I don't care. I'm just I'm going to take it out and see what happens. Um, and and sometimes you just you just have people looking at you like, I have no idea what this is, you know, and, and then three years later, all of a sudden, you know, they've realized that readers readers are actually able to under, understand a book that's written like this. So um, that's I think 
sometimes I, like the, the origins of the uh, of unrelated of um, unreliable narrators. I think before it became a thing, it was what are you doing? <laughs> you know, I don't understand this character. Um, so it took a while. It took a while for, for, for publishers to understand that this concept works, that readers can relate to this. We can understand this, you know, this concept and we can carry with it. But sometimes, so that's where you can be ahead of the curve. And sometimes it's just publishers do not give readers enough credit. Great point. And I do want to stick on that one extra second. Do you think the unreliable narrator that that became so blazingly hot is still as popular today and has the legs to continue on in that direction? Yeah, I do. Um, I think it continues to morph. It continues to grow. Um, it's I think it's something that's kind of in in transition. Um, and we're going to see again fresh but familiar. So I, I think if you if you kind of take that and expand out onto the idea, yes, I think that it's definitely got legs. I think I'm still seeing books coming out that are in the pipeline that are the unreliable narrator, but it's a little bit different than what you expect, you know, so and, and I like that. I like, you know, just again, it's fresh but familiar, you know, it's a little bit different, a little bit the same, but enough, enough new that it keeps it intrigues the reader. So yeah, I think it does. Yeah, well, you 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 put a great uh, pin in that point because it really is true. You know, isn't that part of why readers read? They want something mm -hmm. new and fresh. But you 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 made the best point when you said give the readers credit for being able to not only understand a new or varying concept, but also to ride ride the wave with it. And I think that's part of. I look forward to that. I want something that's off the beaten path. Yeah, yeah. if I pick up a thriller and it is not a thriller uh now, now i'm kind of pissed off because i'm like but i came along for that ride and you're not giving it to me yeah yeah but it, yeah but if you give me something that's uh oh i don't quite understand that but then i come to understand it because you've done a great job of leading me along yeah. then everyone wins yeah yes <clears throat> yes exactly good point what is one of the do you have a pet peeve about your job that maybe um uh, in your current state of affairs of agenting do you go man i wish i wish people understood this better so maybe i wouldn't be peeved at it and i'm not oh. trying to i'm not trying to make you a bully i'm just trying to say <laughs> because i I, I like I'm, to, glad, I'm glad for that yeah yeah, yeah. Um, no i like to know what people you know people who are specialists yeah. I mean, I know what I do really well. And if mm -hmm. you if if I am dropping the ball, then you have every right to go, dude, you know, you, you're really not good behind the microphone. So I mean, but <laughs> tell me why. So is there a pet peeve that you just like, oh, I wish people understood this better? I think, yeah, not understanding the workload. Um, I recently saw a, a, a herd of, of people getting getting hysterical about an editor. I, I, I don't know exactly what happened. If she took a long time to respond or she dropped the ball and just like a, a submission slipped through the, through the cracks. Very few people understand the workload that an agent editor works with. And, and some of these young editors are so overwhelmed. They're so, they're, they don't, like I said, we don't read during the day. They're reading at night. They're reading on weekends. If you like a book, you're going to commit <laughs> reading it to 10 or 12 hours. That's, but that's your whole week at evenings after dinner. Like that's it. That's one book in a week you can read. Um, so it's very easy, especially with the pandemic, with people working from home, it was, it got easier for them to kind of get lost, you know, especially if they're down with COVID for three weeks or something, you come back, nobody was handling your inbox while you were gone. All these things are in there. So, um, I think understanding that 
most of us like, well, in my workload, I don't know, I, I, I'm assuming I'm pretty typical. I get somewhere between five and 7,000 queries every year. And when I open to queries, five and 7,000, okay. So that's, that's like 500 a month? Yeah, we get yeah. a lot of, we get a lot of queries. Um, each query is, is a one or two page letter and a 10 page sample. So do the math. I, oh. I, I once, I, I'm reading literally millions of words a year in queries. Um, a submission, if I ask you for 50 pages, you know, um, that's a, an evening's reading. If I ask you for a full manuscript. So I think if have patients understand their people are going to, you know, take a while. If somebody writes to me and says, you know, I, if I don't, I've literally gotten letters to say, if I don't sign with an agent within 30 days, I'm going to self-publish. Okay, well, I'm just going to write you off right now. It's not that I mind self-publishing. If that works for you, great. Sure. But don't give me a deadline and say, if, if you author, if you have not found success within 30 days, you're, you're chucking the whole thing. Because a lot of us don't, you know, we, we have a lot going on. I'm, I work as like, I'm sort of like the managing partner here. So I have even more crap going, going on in my day. Every contract, every offer memo, every option, every shopping agreement, I have to read those. Wow. So, you know, it's things can get slowed down. It can take me a while to get back. It can, you know, all of us, sometimes it takes a while. I think it's unrealistic. I mean, and, and again, trust me, Gina, I hear it from both sides. I get the beautiful chair of being in the middle of being able to help mm -hmm. hear both sides. And I'm like, guys... You know, you think our life is busy trying to create these worlds and going through editing, so forth and so on. But these gals, guys and gals, have stacks and stacks and stacks. And I heard someone recently say, you know, you know, kind of what you just said, Gina, if I don't get this in like inside the next three or four months, then I'm just going to. And I'm like, uh, how long have you been at it? I'm like, yeah. man, I've been at things for 10 years. And yeah. then I think like like I've been writing for 10 years and I'm like, now I'm going to put something out there, but mm -hmm. I'm going to do the homework because you can't yeah. expect that stuff to no. be jewels out of the gate. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of first books, I mean, I can look at my author's careers and there are books that they wrote that never saw the light of day. And then we had, you know, you might have books with a small publisher and then you have books that maybe are, you know, they're, they're kind of in a mid-sized publisher and they're mid-list and it takes a while. You can't expect to break out and be a, a huge success right away. You have to be, and you have to understand maybe that first book's never going to sell. Maybe that second book's never going to sell. And I, I have to caution people. It may not be in your best interest to put everything out there. They, they say, oh, I didn't sell. I'm going to self-publish it because, and and yes, if there's, there's, I have authors that are hybrid authors and I support those, those efforts, but understand that if it's not your best work, that is the public impression that you're putting out there. Is this work that maybe isn't polished, maybe isn't the best you can do, maybe would have benefited from more time, more, more consideration, more feedback uh, before you put that out as this is my, this is the quality you can expect from Joe Smith, you know? Um, wow. And I think it, it really can make a difference in, in, you know, your career. You also want to be, and this is, this is going to sound like, like a little bit manipulative, you also want to be a debut author for a publishing house, yeah. all right? Um, they can do a lot with the debut, and that's because you're an unknown quality at this point. Like you, they don't know you have the potential to break out and be this huge star. Um, so, giving a publisher your debut work um, just automatically is kind of an enhancer as far as the potential value to them. So, it's there's there's just that to consider too. Well, here's a great question, I hope. Uh, what if you're someone who thought, oh, I, I'm going to just go self-publishing because either A, 
I'll never get an agent. You know, there are some people who think that way. Or I'm happy with doing that. I just want my friends and family to read it. So I'm going to put it out and and say that it went okay. And then one day you go, okay, well, now I want to do that thing. So does an agent look back and go, well, let's see what else this clown has done out there. Oh, it, it, <laughs> it's really kind of crap. And he has like four reviews on two different books. Do you hold that against them or go, oh, well, that's just, you know, part of their process yeah. because um, you can't go remove those books anymore. That's the. No, no. If somebody, if somebody put some books out, self-published some books because they got impatient or they didn't care. They were just like, this is fine. I, I just want to do this. I just want to get some stuff out because it's, it's cool. Um, I'm going to suggest that it's probably in your best interest to come up with a new pen name for the books that you're going to traditionally publish. Because yes, if you were happy putting your book out and maybe you got you know two dozen reviews and you sold a few hundred copies or something like that, you don't want that to be perceived as your expectation, this is your expectations for your ability to sell and get support in the community. Um, so, you know, I'm like, that's cool. You can do whatever you want to do, you know, self-pub, but understand that when you move to traditional publishing, you don't want necessarily uh, that history to to tag along and, and influence people's opinions. So, you know, just separate yourself out, you know, and, and uh, go from there. It, it's not the worst thing on earth, you know, to, to kind of like put that aside and say, okay, I can do my self-pub stuff and my traditional stuff. I love that, Gina. And I'll tell you what, I think it's great advice. And, you know, at the end of the day, there are a lot of people, again, not to sound like I'm Mr. Hootie Tootie, but <laughs> I've talked to a lot of guys on the show and they go, you know, that's not my real name. I'm like, oh, yeah, sometimes yeah. it's been like, oh, and they're like, I had to do this because it's such and such. And I wanted to break out. And at the end of the yeah. day, who really cares? I mean, my first radio, my first three radio shows was a different name. So when I'd go, here's the funny thing, Gina, I'd go out to a party and I'm like, Hey, uh, Bob. Oh yeah. Day. Uh, okay. Who, who am I in this? Who am I today? Right. And <laughs> it took a while. And then I'm like, Oh boy, let's just go with one name. Anyway, let's move on to that. But let's, let, because I know I'm really limited on time. You got a full right. plate ahead. But okay. let's, go, let's go to that querying thing, because that's I know my listeners are going to be sitting going, geez, Dave, you went through the whole thing. You didn't ask uh, Gina about querying. I mean, the one thing mm -hmm. I want to know. Okay. So um, I guess the best way to say that is, you know, everybody wants to know what is, I don't want to say insider tip, because there are no mm -hmm. insider tips, but like maybe okay. an aspiring author who's listening to the mm -hmm. show goes, man, I would really like to know once and for all, and Gina seems like the kind of gal that's going to give it to me straight. Mm -hmm. What is the smartest way to query? Because you just gave us a great inside scoop. David, I've got stacks and stacks and stacks. What well, we know, yeah. don't BS with a whole bunch of, you know, as a young reader, I want it to be so. <laughs> but it's true. Um, know the agent's list, know what they've sold. Um, understand that they may not represent everything in the genre say they like i i will check the box that says i represent science fiction i don't want space opera i'll just tell you that i want near future grounded science fiction i will say that very specifically if you can tell me that this is exactly what i said i want and you're not just projecting well you you represent women's fiction so then you represent category romance no i don't so you know you have to understand so learn their list in it intimately you know and and be able to relate to it and say like um, you know, this, I, I felt because you represented this book and don't, don't I, I see people do this all the time. They're like, you sold this, this business book. So you want my business book. I'm like, 
I sell in specific, again, specific subcategories, subgenres <laughs> within business. You know, so it's it's not it's not necessarily it's going to translate. So the closer you can get, the better you can get in eyeballing exactly what they want, the better. If and if you can get a referral from a client, that's going to help. I mean, if you if you guys are all hanging out at ITW, you know, you're going to go to Thriller Fest, like you know, pal around. You want you want to get a, a you know in with their agent you know, go buy them a drink and say like, you know, Hey, would you read my book? Would you be willing to, to read my, maybe if you like it, you can. And I get that all the time, especially after Thriller Fest, I get like, you know, five, six, seven, you know, referrals from, from clients were like, Hey, I read this guy, his book's pretty good. You want to take a look that of course, I'm going to take a look if you've read it already. And I, and, and told me I like it. Um, don't spam your query out to everybody. You need, if you can make it personal, I, I need to know like, yeah, yeah. this is, I, I think if you liked this work, if you represent this work, then you're going to like mine because X, Y, Z. Um, yeah, so the more specific you can get, the better, but you know, know your market and don't be a stalker, but do follow them on, you know, Twitter or follow them on, um, you know, the MS, the, 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 the wish list, the MSWL, you know, see what they're looking for at the moment and tr try to hit that. Don't don't just assume that you like, you know, X, you, you like you say you do this genre. So you do all of the genre. No, I don't. I like I won't do books that have mafia elements because I represent real true crime, organized crime history. So I'm going to know you got it wrong. So don't even bother because <laughs> they all get it wrong. And and don't give me anything with like a drug cartel in it because I just I just it's not my bag, you know, so. Yeah. Um, you know, but if you know that about the age, you can save yourself a lot of time. You took something right out of my mouth and it wasn't drug cartel, but yeah, I can imagine someone saying, but Gina, you don't, I've got a drug cartel story like none you've ever read. Yeah. Well, then that shows you that maybe I didn't do my homework. Or you're not listening to what I'm saying, right? Right. You know? which is yeah. also frustrating. I have a lot of people who don't listen and you'll tell them no, but then they'll be like, but you really do want to read this, right? You know, you said, this is why you really, and I'm like, no, just, it's it's quicker and easier if you just listen to feedback. Oh, sorry about that. I've got a phone going off in the background. No um, so I think if you can just tell people what you want and have them listen and stop trying to persuade you that you don't know what you want, it, yeah. you're going to save everybody a lot of time. Because that's, that's one of the big frustrations in this business. All right, two more questions, then I'm going to get out of here. Do you <laughs> yeah. think that having an agent and, and I know this is a little bit on the spot, but you can handle it, is yeah. a mandatory element of having a successful career. I don't think it's mandatory. Um, you'd have to be an exceptional business person, really, really good at marketing, really good at at, at your first, own self-editing for the first for the past. That said, if you look at the biggest authors in your genre, they're all agented. Oh, yeah. Because by the time you've become a successful author, you don't have time for the business bullshit. You know, I'm sorry, but no. you know, sorry, sorry for the for the for the French, but I mean, you need somebody to be spending those hours that you don't have taking care of your business. So now I do want to jump in there because you made a really good point, and and here's mm -hmm. something that I hear. Oh, and God, Gina, I've heard this so many times. The reason I went for an agent is so I can kick back and they take care of everything. I just have to write the book and then I'm just chilling like a villain. And I'm like, <laughs> dude, uh, you've heard a platform. You still got to get out there and push. They're not, they're not, yeah. they're, they're not your mother. They're not doing everything for you. No, no. But we'll, a good agent will tell you what you need to be doing. Yeah. Um, they're going to ask you what you're doing. They're, they're going to give you more suggestions. They'll support you in what you're doing. But yeah, you still have to be 
doing your platform, doing your social media, you know, doing your public appearances, going to conference, it's it's all still going to be on you, but you'll have somebody there who's doing, you know, you're not going to be stuck querying a publishing house or, you know, running it after your contract or whatever, you know, so it, it, there's still work involved. Nobody's going to completely do everything for you. No, you're a personal coach. I mean, that's why you, you if I want to perfect my swing, I'm going to go find a coach and tell them to break down what my swing doesn't do, right? And mm -hmm. so forth. All right, here's yeah. one more. What if a publishing company comes to John Doe and says, hey, uh, I like your book idea. Do the, mm -hmm. Does there have to be an agent involved in that? Could, I mean, because if I'm going to, if a publisher comes to me and says, hey, look, yeah. here's a great idea. I don't really know this, the waters out there. Yeah, so yeah. I'm going to, I mean, what do I do? I'm going to suggest that if a publisher comes to you and they say like, you know what? I saw your op-ed in the New York times, or I saw you know your TikTok account or whatever. And we'd like you to do a book. 99% of the time, they're going to suggest that you get an, an agent. They're, they're going to put that out for you. They're going to say, like, I think this is a good idea. You should get an agent and then come back. Um, because it's going to be better for the publisher to have the agent involved. Um, if that should happen, yes. First thing you do is call your agented friends and say like, I need an agent, like wiki wiki. I need somebody to jump in here, like within the next few days. Um, and, wiki, and, wiki. you know, they'll call around and see, see, you know, who, who can do this, but you absolutely want an agent involved because if it is something like this, like, yeah, I wrote this great op-ed. It, it's going to mean that you have other rights, other interests to protect and the publisher being a publisher will want to take every right they can. So get someone involved. All right. My very final question. I ask this of all my authors. You've listened to the show. You know this. Yes. I, and I usually ask the authors um, mm -hmm. to give uh, aspiring writers their best piece of advice. And you've touched on this uh, maybe 13 times already. But if you were to boil it down and you knew that my listener was going, man, I think I've got that book. Mm -hmm. What would be your best piece of advice? Uh it's just going to be patient and persistent, you know, because anybody who's successful has had to, you know, slog it out in the, in the trenches for a long time. It's not going to come overnight. Just keep going. You get knocked down, get up again. Just keep going because, you know, eventually you're not, not everyone is going to find success, but you're going to get better. You're going to improve. You're going to make connections. So just keep at it and, and don't get discouraged. If you get discouraged, go to the writing community online, ask them for support, ask them for help and encouragement they'll give it to you. Man, you're awesome. I feel like this is a little mini masterclass, Gina. Thank you. Well, thanks, David. It was really nice talking to you today. Yeah. And, and so, I, you're so kind with the, the generous comments that you put on uh, Twitter and Instagram and so forth. And you're always encouraging to the community. And, and I appreciate that. And I want to tell my listeners, if you'd like to learn more about Gina, go to talkatnotch.net or you can query her. There's a page there that you can query. Query me.online.query, Gina. And I'll have this mm -hmm. below the hold here. Thank but you. once again, I know you've got a busy day. It's a Monday. You're like, my phone's ringing. So again, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you. Thanks, David. It was great. Thanks again to Gina Panateri of Tonkat Notch Agency, one of the biggest agents in the world today. And that was chock full of superb advice. If you're an aspiring writer and you need some inside scoop, I hope you make notes and keep those notes handy because she's a real deal and uh, I learned a lot too. Before I send you on your way, I want to say join us this Thursday when Hotel California comes to the airwaves 
and this is in the form of an eight-story compilation by some of the biggest authors in the world today. That is coming up on Thursday. But for now, get back and enjoy your Labor Day holiday weekend for those in the United States and elsewhere around the world. Thank you for listening. I'm David Temple, your host, and I'll see you next time for another edition of The Thriller Zone. The Thriller Zone has been presented by The Story Factory and the visionary genre-bending debut novel Grand Theft AI by James Cox. The Matrix meets Blade Runner. Grand Theft AI is available now for pre-order from your favorite bookseller.